Welcome to the Apawa Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our church, visit us on any Sunday or online at opawa.org.nz. Uh, when it comes to life, we divide our life up pretty, well, difficultly. But when it comes to the end of the day, I guess the question is, how much are we giving to God? Um, we've been talking about uh, we, we the church, what we do, who we are, why do we do what we do. The first week uh, we started with uh, what is the church? What is church? What does it mean? And up on the whiteboard, I got you all to give me some ideas and thoughts of what you thought. And we came up with a whole bunch of words that kind of describe what we thought what church is. You know, the body of Christ, believers, love, sharing life, learning, you know, the body of Christ, which, you know, being who we are, that's what we felt is what the church is. Last week, we talked about you know, what is God's expectation for his church? And uh, we touched on Romans chapter 15 in that first seven verses about God's expectation for his church. Build each other up, get to know the word, harmony, praise, example. You know, we're called together to actually build each other up. We're called together to learn, to teach, to uh, encourage each other to know God better. We're called to live in harmony. Harmony doesn't mean, um, you know, that, that 60s thing of, hey, dude, we're cool kind of thing. Harmony means living in harmony with what God has called us to do and to be with each other. And some of that does mean peace, but also means challenge, growing. We're called to live in praise, praise of the God that we follow, the God that we adore, the God who has given us life. Um, that's a core element, worship. And we're called to be an example. The church is supposed to be a light on a hill. It's supposed to be a place in which people uh, will come to, that people will see we stand out apart from everything else. You know, one thing I was thinking about that in regards to example, when you see movies nowadays that talk about our future, what does that future usually look like? The end. <laughs> end of the world ones. It's dark. Have you noticed it? The future, as they see, is dark, overpopulated, dirty, uh, crime. Um, you know, I could list off a number of movies, starting from, you know, some of the classics of the late 80s, like uh, Blade Runner. You know, if you think of that movie, everything's dark. It never seems to be light. You know, going to other movies that start to talk about the end of the world. You know, 2012, which happens to have passed. But then again, we saw a meteorite go flying through in Russia. Anyone see that one? That was kind of freaky, wasn't it? Imagine driving along and... Yeah, they didn't see that one coming. Um, but the future tends to be very dark, and we are fearful of it. I mean, look at the economies around the world today. In Europe now, seven nations in Europe have an average of over 20% unemployment. Seven nations in Europe. Three of those nations, for, children, for kids under the... Well, kids. For young adults under the age of 25, the unemployment rate's 
That's, that's, that's scary stuff. The US looks like it's flying into hyperinflation. Their debt load is so huge. So when we think of our future, we think, Ugh. but you see, the church needs to stand apart from that. The church needs to be a beacon of light, a beacon of hope. That no matter what's going on out there, we carry the hope of the world through Jesus Christ, right? So the future for us, doesn't matter what happens here on earth, the future is what? It's great. I can share this with you. Last year, about, well, about this time last year, I was going through a bit of a, a down period. I wasn't sleeping well. I was tired all the time. And, you know, just, just kind of down. So I went to my doctor. I said, hey, doc, you know, I don't feel good physically, emotionally. She goes, why don't you talk to a counsellor? I said, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Um, so I went and saw a secular counsellor because I thought, well, let's just lay this out and see what, where it goes. And the first thing the counsellor asked me was, how do you feel? I said, well, I'm kind of tired, I'm down, uh, you know, I don't know if it's my diet or it's just my state of being. And what do you think of death? Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> what do you mean you can't wait? Well, I'm looking forward to it. You're not afraid of death? No, not at all. Are you kidding? I can't wait. Of course, my doc gets this message saying, he's a suicide risk, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you just don't get it. <laughs> I have no intention of shooting myself, seriously. I'm just looking forward to the glory that I'll be in heaven with the Lord. I think that's an awesome thing. I, I really do. I think that's great. Yeah, you're going to suffer a little bit to get there, but hey, it'll be well worth it when I get there. And so when someone says, are you afraid of death? No, not really. Well, I'm afraid of the pain of it. You know, I don't want to be oh, you know, on a plane that's going to crash. That's going to be pretty scary, you know, or in a car accident or anything like that. But you know what? That's going to get me through to somewhere where... So, you know, we as Christians should be a great example for who God is and who we represent. So it's got to be positive, right? There's a hope, right? Amen. Today we're going to talk about what is ministry? What is ministry? So, we did it the first time with church. I'm going to leave it to you guys. What is ministry? Service. There we go. That's a good start. Anyone else got any, any words for us? Building each other up. That's good. Wow, that's kind of what this is all about over here, huh? Any other thoughts? Obedience. Obedience. Ooh, that's a good word. That's a really good word. Not one that we like a lot, but hey. Work? It is. It's work. It really is work. Sometimes it feels really tough. Come on. What else have we got? Using your gifts. gifts. Yep. <laughs> first recognizing, yeah, uh, know them first, yeah. What else? Love. Love. Yeah, because that really covers everything. It really does. You know, and we'll get into that a little bit later on. It's a vehicle to reach out. Vehicle to reach out, um, yep. What does reach out mean? 
Take what we have into the community, yes. What do we have? God's love, Jesus, yes. Yes, yes to all of those. Absolutely. What else is ministry? Sorry? Giving, yes. Giving. What else? Teaching. Yep, that's a part of ministry. Guidance? In what sense? Being guided, being led, yep. It's not, what's the word? It's not a, um, it's not a solo effort. What's that? Okay. Just what I've written, not solo, yep. Okay, cool. Sorry. Wax in the ears. Okay. It involves activity. So it, it's kind of like work, but it's an active thing. It's, yeah, it keeps us moving. Yeah, not pleasantly sometimes, yeah. <laughs> reconciliation. It is almost I could kind of get all of this and put it under the title of reconciliation. Um, for those of you who might not know what that means, reconciliation is what? Confession, coming together, forgiveness. It's everything that God's poured out onto us that we then pour out as we do his work. Well, that's a pretty good list there. Um, it's actually a really good list there. I'm going to give you a couple of things that might be a little, you know, trudgy a bit, but I want you to get an understanding of what the Bible says about ministry. First of all, the word ministry in the Bible is diaconal. Anyone know where that, what we use today is that word? Deacons. You know, biblically speaking, deacons were or are ministry leaders. They are the leaders of our ministries. That's what the Bible means by deacons. You with me? Um, Diaconel is ministry. Diakonos, we translate as deacon. Got it? Now, theological response. I got this from my good old book on theology, which I have just a couple. Anyone who's been in my office can know. Um, Christian ministry is the activity and responsibility of the local church in the fulfillment of its biblically defined mandate in the world. How's that for a few words? Huh? Very Very clear. And it actually comes out in three different ways. The first way is the fulfillment of the great commandment. What's the great commandment? No, the great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. And then what's the last part of that great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so ministry is shown by obedience to the fulfillment of the great commandment, which is loving God and loving the people around you. The second part, fulfillment of the great commission, which is? Yep, go make disciples of all the nations. So there's two parts to ministry. Why do we have ministry? You know, when you talk about parliament, for example, and governments, they have ministries, don't they? 
And they're called ministers. They have certain portfolios, as they would say. And the guy who's in charge of, I don't know, what do you guys have here? Um, Education, thank you. Education. So he's in charge of that. It's kind of like that person's our children's minister or our youth minister or the person who's in charge of specific areas. It's the same kind of concept, but we do it based on at least two reasons because we want to fulfill God's love for us and our love for him to each other. We also want to fulfill the Great Commission, but there's a third point, and that is the fulfillment of discipleship. Now, I know discipleship's not a cool word for a lot of Baptist people, but let's just get past that for a moment. Discipleship really is, explained here in Ephesians, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and the deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That's pretty cool, isn't it? It's kind of better than that theological description, eh? (laughs) hey? But these are the three elements that we look at. We want to fulfill the great commandment first and foremost because we love God. We want to fulfill Jesus' commission to us. And that's pretty cool. But we also want to grow in being better people for God. That's what ministry is all about. Everyone with me? Now, I've kind of written down some words as well. I was thinking the other night, what, what is ministry? And uh, I knew you guys would come up with some great stuff, but then I thought there are some things about ministry that we, we tend to forget. It's impartial. When I'm called to ministry, I minister to everyone. Everyone that I'm called to in that area. A child, if I'm called to children's ministry, doesn't matter if the child is ADHD, which most kids are nowadays, or not. I'm impartial. It's unconditional. I do it with every ounce of who I am. Ministry is unconditional. Oh, there are times in which yeah, kind of reach that tether, in a sense. And that's where we call on the Lord to give us more strength. It's reaching spiritual needs, but also physical needs. It's a calling. Ministry is a calling. You do it because God has called you to do it. And it's also a way of life. Humility is a big one as well. These are things that we associate, the words there, the words here, with ministry. And that's why we as a church do ministry. It's a a funny word. You know, when, when you talk to people on the street, yeah, we've got a ministry. They don't get it. But if you tell them about what's happening in the government, well, he has a ministry portfolio. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But we have different reasons for doing it. There's no ambition involved. I don't want to become the greatest youth pastor on the earth. I want to fulfill the love I have for God and he has for me. I want to be going out and seeking through the great commission that Jesus has led me. It's all about him and so much not about me. But the one thing we need to understand is calling. 
Isaiah 43.1 says this, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. You are mine. Our calling is unique. It's unique to you. Everybody in this room who claims Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, you have a calling. It's unique to you. Okay? The primary reason for a calling is what? What does it say at the bottom there? Become the person God has called you to be. It is the most important thing of your life. Now, who sees trouble with that? Remember the God pie? There's a house. Looks like me, huh? This big guy with a big plate. The house does take up a lot of our pie. I like the cars. They actually, the German, Japanese guy, that was awesome, in their little white lab coats. And the education one was fantastic. But do you see where the problem lies in our lives today? If this is the most important thing of our lives, how big a slice is it taking out of our life? You know, in America, we would get into these discussions with our church folk, and we had this, they had, I mean, you know, in America, we like to do lists, you know, one, two, three, four, what's the most important, what's the least important, all these kind of things, and we'd put up the front and the top, God is number one in our lives, yes, amen, God is number, number two is well, our family, because, you know, our family is number two in our lives, number three is what? Work, usually, yeah, and number four, well, it's ministry or whatever, we do in church. But here's the problem. If number one is God, then whatever God asks me to do, what does that have to be? (laughs) Number three? No. (laughs) What does it have to be? Number one. You know, I've used this example many times. But, you know, I love Monica. But if I ignore what she asks me to do, how does that show my love for her? You know, I could sit on the couch, which I do quite often, with my laptop and get really into blogging and and communicating online and talking to people all over the world and discussing leadership values and all this stuff. And I could just, out of the side of my mouth, say, I love you, honey, while she's running around doing the dishes, looking after the kids, keeping the house clean, paying the bills, holding everything up. Is that love? It's love in word. It's not love in deed. And believe you me, the next time I would say, I love you, honey, I'm going to get a brick to the head. (laughs) You know, it's the same with God. If God is number one in your life, if he's the top, number one, then he has to be, whatever he's calling me to be, has to be up there with him. Because my love for him is not just in word, it's also in deed. He's asking me to show me your love. If I love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul and being, then what he's calling me to do is number one. 
You with me? <laughs> it is. Yep. Well, there's two words here that I think are really important when it comes to ministry. Number one, obedience. We, we do it out of obedience. We do it out of love. But the second one I wanted to show is it's not a solo effort. We don't do it alone. That's why he's called his church to come together. Because you know what? We are going to find ourselves with that pie trying to hand off things to everything. We find ourselves with very little at the end. Which is why we're here to support each other and get behind each other and help each other out in that. Some of you are gifted in certain areas that can help other people out, while others are gifted in other areas that can help other people out. And we balance each other out. Because God knows you can't do it on your own. Right? He can't, you can't do it on your own. But here's the problem with the church we have expectations. Monica's not here today, she's sick, so I feel bad talking about her when she's not around. But it's not anything that she... So don't worry, it's fine. But when we got married, she had an expectation of marriage. She did. I I was a guy, I didn't have expectations for anything. And most guys don't. You can tell that when there's a wedding that comes around. When you ask a couple, apart from one couple I recently married... um, you can ask a couple, the guy's just kind of sitting there going, oh, what do I do? And the, the woman, you ask her, and she's got, I want the cake, and, and the, you know, everything's laid out. They've got a plan. And the guy's just kind of like following along. Yes, honey. Yes, whatever, honey. A- ain't that the case? Yeah. We don't argue with what our woman wants when it comes to the wedding. You know, if she wants a blue bouquet, it's going to be blue, Right? If she wants the church, it's going to be the church. And that's what I did when I got married. I just kind of said yes to everything Monica told me. Hey, do you like this? Yeah, I love it. Oh, great. He agrees. I had no opinion, to be honest with you. And frankly, we could have got married in the woods for all I cared. All I had my eyes on was her. I mean, that's just the way it is. When it came into marriage, though, I realized there were a lot of things that I was not understanding. You know, leave the socks in the bedroom on the floor. You're leaving that for me, aren't you? No, no, I just left it there. I'm just, no, there's no, there's no ulterior motive behind it. Yeah, or you put the dish in the sink and you don't wash it. You're leaving those for me, aren't you? No, I'm not. I'm just leaving it. I'm sorry. I'm going to wash it right away. <laughs> and you realize that there are certain levels of expectations both ways. And that happens in church as well. We hire people to do work don't we? So our expectation is they do the job. I'm going to share with you Acts chapter 6. This is an interesting passage that helps us understand how ministry needs to be done in church. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve apostles, they gathered all the disciples together and said, it would be not be right for us to neglect the ministry of God in order to wait on tables. Ouch! Now, if, I, if someone came up to me and said, Rob, you know, the food bank's suffering, we need to do something about it. 
Well, I'm not here to wait on tables, people. How would you react to that? Ooh, that's a real pastoral heart right there, huh? I mean, seriously, sometimes we don't take the Bible and we don't look at it and even hear this response and you think, ouch! Wow, what are they going on about? That's pretty harsh, waiting on tables to... equating that to looking after widows? Oh. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are, fu- who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Now this is something I thoroughly and absolutely fail on every time. Everything is good, but not everything is your calling. Stick to your calling. Make sense? The apostles knew that. They could be drifted left and right and everywhere, appealing to all what are really good things. The feeding of widows, the looking after of the sick, the, the, the expansion of our youth ministry, uh, the development of our community ministries. These are all really important and good things. But the question is, what are you called to? Monica and I have the same problem. Wherever there is a need, we throw ourselves into it. And at the end of the day, we get burnt out. Because we do what we feel are needy things, good things, but we're not fulfilling the calling God has laid on our hearts. And that goes for the same of a lot of you here. You fulfill a need. Because there is a need. Who's going to do this? How is this going to happen? Well, I better step up and do it, because if I don't, nobody else will. And then you get bitter and, and, and upset and tired because you're not fulfilling God's calling in your life. The apostles knew that. And they made it really clear. So who did they turn to? Brothers and sisters. Who did they turn to? The church. Each other. Hey guys, this is important. Is there anyone there, anyone amongst you, that can handle this? One of them was Stephen, the first martyr we read, you know, in the Bible there in Acts. He stood up. And others that they selected. And they brought them to the apostles. And the apostles, you know what they did? If you read on in verses 5 and 6, they laid hands on them and prayed over them and released them. They released them. Go do it. Great. Tick, we've got something covered. What's next? What's next? I'm pointing at you, Dave. The reason why I like Dave and why I have great conversations with him, he'll just sit there and he says, okay, what's next? Let's tick that box. What's next? What do we need to do to make that happen? Who do we need to talk to? Who do we need to you know, see? Who, who do we need to be tapping? Because people... Everyone in here has a calling. Everybody in here has a calling. And the question is, do you know your calling? You know how you know your calling? How do you know your calling? Passion, what you're good at, what you enjoy. What else? Sorry? Somebody else tells you. Somebody else tells you. 
peace of mind. It won't go away. It won't go away. Amen. It keeps coming back. It's your calling. Sometimes if you're kind of questioning what your calling is, it's good to maybe talk to a couple of brothers and sisters around you. What do you think I'm good at? What do you think I could fit into? What do you think I could do? You'll find that there's a lot of wisdom in talking to your brothers and sisters. But remember, everything is good, but not everything is your calling. Remember to put boundaries when it comes to ministry. Stick to what you're good at. There might be needs of help, but if you're going to go outside of your calling, limit it. Limit it to say, I'll help this far, because I know there is a need. I'll only help that far. Because you've got to stick to your calling. That's how the church thrives. That's how the church grows, when each and every one of us is doing what we're called to do. Part of a calling is also an affirmation. If you read further on in verses 5 and 6, it's the brothers and sisters who point out the seven who need to take up this task. They elect them. They choose them. They say, hey, we identify this in the people. Let's take them to the leaders. And the leaders pray over them. They lay their hands on them and say, yeah, you're right. These are the ones. We affirm them. We release them. Go do your work. We've seen it with Hugh. Walks in, takes over community, and the community ministries is thriving. And it has its ups and downs, and it has its challenges. But we've released him to do it. What do we need to release you to do? What do we need to release you to do? Several things, just as we come into a close, that I want to share with you about ministry. Seven aspects of ministry that are foundational, that are absolutely important for us to understand. The foundation of ministry is teaching. That's why I encourage you to be here on a Sunday. That's why I encourage you not to just walk away from here on a Sunday and and just go about your lives. Be challenged by being taught, by by listening, by hearing, by reading, by... uh, I, I got a bit excited about it last week, I know, but we need to be taught. Any one of us here who thinks they've been taught enough, you'd have to be God. Okay? If you think you know it all, you're God. I can list out all the qualifications I have, and I'm still so far from knowing it all. And there are many of you in here that are teaching me. We need to be continually taught. And you can only do that, to be honest with you, if it's Bible-based. It's okay to read books. It's okay to be challenged by other authors. But always remember, your foundation has to be the Bible. Where do we get Jesus from? You know, there's no other work on the place of this planet that talks about Jesus, historically. Do you know that? Nothing else. The Bible. The only other mention of Jesus in any other historical work is Josephus, who just mentions Christus, and that's it. The Bible. If you want to know about Jesus, you get back, get to the Bible. Where do you find grace? Where do you find it? In the Bible. I had a, a long discussion. I've been, I shared with you, with you this recently, but I've been debating this, these issues about you know, gender issues in the church and homosexuality and all these things. And it's been a really 
difficult conversation. But you know what? We come to the end of the day, and I was talking with a friend of mine, and he says, well, God is love, and, and you know, we're loving everybody. And I said, yeah, but how do I define love? Where do I define it from? Where is love defined? In the Bible. Through Jesus. Through his act. Through who he is. So I'm called to be like him. So what does that look like? Well, let me go look at Jesus. There's a balance there. It's, it's, it's a struggle. But I can't stop and say, oh, this is love. No, hang on a sec. It's not, I, I can't define love. Only God can. And he does it. That's why it's important to be reading your Bible, to understand what, what he's saying. And I told you last week, how many times have we gotten it wrong? How many times have we interpreted the Bible wrong? Karen, I don't think you were here last week, but I pointed you out. Yes, I did. Because I, I said, 20 years ago, maybe in this church, but I know in a lot of churches, Karen would have never been allowed to come up here and preach. But you know what? She's one of the best women preachers I've ever heard. And the power of God works right through her. And how dare I hold her back? Well, the Bible says it. Really? Yeah, the Bible says a lot of things. It says also that women can only be saved through childbirth. But you don't take that literally, do you? 1 Timothy chapter 2. (laughs) yeah sorry francis you're just not making a cut (laughs) i mean it's true i mean there are so many things that are literal in the bible if you read them black and white that don't make sense and frankly we don't follow them why because we know better because we know the bible is a lot deeper than just words We take everything into consideration. We take the whole thing into consideration, which is why we've gotten it wrong over the years and why we need to always keep coming back to it. The confidence of ministry is what? You you always get it right with Jesus. I've always told you that. (laughs) But I'm going to put prayer up there, okay? Prayer is the confidence of ministry, okay? I know we close our eyes and bow our heads and pray, but it's a whole lot deeper than that, okay? I talk to God even while I'm walking in the middle of the street. I talk to God even with my wife next to me sometimes. She thinks I'm crazy, but I don't treat God as though he's not around me. He is there, he is with me at every moment of my life, and I'm a fool to ignore him. So I speak to him. Some of you might think I'm crazy, but I do not ignore him. He's here. I talk with him. I get angry with him. I love him. I want to shake a fist every once in a while. But prayer is just that. The confidence I have in ministry, the confidence we have in ministry is that God not only is here, he's listening to us, he's not just walking alongside us, he's walking in us and through us, and he's calling out to communicate to him. Confidence. What's the power of ministry? Yes, the Holy Spirit. The forgotten God. Francis Chan wrote an interesting book on that, The Forgotten God. People forget that the Holy Spirit's around. He's living in you. Where do you get your power from? The Holy Spirit. 
What's the bond of ministry? Relationship, fellowship. When we can't do it, as Kath said, as difficult it is, as we get that God pie and we, we, get that, you know, we get that big piece and drop it on the house and another big piece and drop it on, on other things and we realise as we're coming to that end where we've got very little left, that's when we turn to each other and say there's a bond that keeps us together, there's a bond, have a bit of my pie. Here, let's work together. Let's make this happen, let's make this work. The bond of ministry is fellowship. The expression of ministry is worship. I'm going to talk about that in the next coming weeks. But worship is an important aspect of who we are. What does that mean? What does that look like? Every church I've been in, believe me, I've been a worship minister for about 12 years. And every church I've been in, the biggest source of division in the church. It is. And you know, I've got to say this, Gregory the Great had it right. He introduced Gregorian chants and that was it for the next thousand years. Couldn't go wrong. (laughs) Anyone heard Gregorian chants? I I can't do it. Yeah, Awesome stuff, right? I mean, it sounds beautiful, don't get me wrong. Um, I don't know what they're saying half the time, but hey, Gregory the Great had it right. This is it. Follow it. Okay. Sometimes I feel that way about worship here at church. That's the way we're doing it, and that's it. You know? But it is a tussle. But what does it mean? What does it mean to worship God? Well, what does it mean to love God? What do we love him with? So say it out loud. Heart, soul, strength and mind, mind and strength. With everything. And it's the same with worship. It's in everything we do. We talked about the offering. That's part of our worship of God. We talk about singing. Well, that's another part of worship of God. But that is our expression. The thrust of ministry is this one word, salvation. Ultimately, you know, church over the years has been accused for having ulterior motives when it comes to loving people. I agree. Sometimes we've loved people only if we can save them. And once we feel that they're unsavable, we ignore them. Right? It's happened many, many, many times. I'm not sure if it happens here. I don't see it happening here. But the church in general has this unfortunate stigma. But the reason we do, the thrust of what we do, isn't just the salvation of others. It's our own. It's what God has done for us. It's what God has brought to us. It's what God has done through his son for us. That I can't help saying everything about how awesome a God we have. And ministry has to be, has to be, tainted, or not tainted, it has to be mixed with salvation in it. Because my ultimate goal is to see people coming into a relationship with God. Why? Because I don't have to look to that future that's so bleak, dark, overwhelming, or look to death with fear and trepidation and and fear. Because my heart screams for it with every part of who I am.
It has to. There's no choice. I'm a Liverpool fan. They call Liverpool people what scousers, right? I've got little Roger at the back there shaking his head. We'll convert you to yet, my friend. I'm a Liverpool fan. If you watch football, you know, this is something the Kiwis don't understand. But those of you who come from England, you know what passion means when it comes to football. You will kill a person who wears the enemy's clothing. I mean, it's the truth. In Italy, in Rome, there are two teams, Roma and Lazio. They're, they're in the same city. They will kill each other. I'm not kidding you. They will kill each other over a football team. I understand the passion. I understand what they, they stand for. But I, I stand for something much bigger than that. Much bigger than a round ball in a field. I stand for the living God. And if I'm showing less passion than them, when I believe in the truth, oh my goodness, what's wrong with me? It's okay to be passionate about a God who loves you, who has saved you, who, who is right there beside you. It's okay to show it. And the last thing, the scope of ministry is church-wide. Church-wide. It's about all of us. I'm called to be the pastor of this place. I've heard that calling. That calling's been affirmed. I'm here. But I can't do it on my own. I, I, I need your help. Deidre does so much work. You don't even know about it. She needs help. And help might come in the car by saying thank you. Might come from the fact that you're on your knees praying for him. She might not actually know the help that she's getting. But that's what the body is about. The body is about being together in ministry. That we single out people to do certain jobs. That we lift them up. We encourage them, we push them forward, we pray for them, we're behind them. And there may come a time when that person needs to step out of that place or needs to move on. And we do it with celebration as well because we thank him for the work they do and we keep going and we raise others in our midst to do the work. And we're praying and we're supporting and ministry is now church-wide. It's not just about the people we employ. It becomes a responsibility for all of us. Dr. Pasco, um, who runs Bible.org, I don't know if you guys follow that website, um, but he says this, ministry is not about ritual or routine uh, or routine religion, but a living relationship with God. It's not about numerical growth, but spiritual growth. It's not about programs, but about people. People who are wholly focused on God, powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit and happily united in a community of grace. People who vibrantly exalt Christ, openly perform works of faith, accurately teach the truth, boldly proclaim the gospel in word and deed and authentically depend upon prayer. Solo dia gracia. All glory to God. Amen? So what is ministry? All the above. But it's your calling to work in this body. And each of you have a calling. We're in the process of building God's kingdom. 
We're in the process of needing people who can work a hammer, who could work a saw, who can work... What were those things again? Those things. Yeah. Can you tell I really work on the garden a lot? Um, one kid got it right. She says, it's a spade. I said, oh, that's it. It's a spade. Yeah, cool. Um, but we are in need. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to be talking to our ministry leaders and I'm going to get them to put some stuff on these tables. We're going to slowly clean it up. We're going to put stuff on the table here of what ministry leaders are in need of, what ministry leaders are doing in our church, what areas that our church has a need for, whether it may be just prayer, where it might be hands-on, where we might be looking for leaders to step up. And you're going to have a chance over the next few weeks after the service to just kind of wander over here and take a look at what needs are out there and for you to pray over them and see where God is calling you to serve in this place. We're here together to build God's kingdom. And he is a good God. He is a good God. Amen. I ask our worship team to come up. I'm going to pray. Father God, Yeah, ministries, we can get so entangled with, with all that goes on around us and sometimes forget what our calling is or, or even ignore it. Or our expectations might be kind of dramatic or drastic and, and not in line with who you are and what you're calling us to be and what you're calling us to do. But you know, above all, Lord, we just want to thank you first and foremost that you have called us. You, you have uniquely called us. You don't treat us like non-individuals. You treat us as individuals. Each and every one of us, Lord, you love us dearly. That the grace and the love that you pour out is for each and every one of us in who we are and where we stand today. Help us, Lord, to, to seek out what you're calling in our lives. I know there's so much in our lives, you know, with a house or, or cars or work or kids or all these things that kind of crowd out so much in our lives and leaves us with so little. Help us to be able to establish a way in making that happen, that we can be focused so much more on what you've called us to be and not what this world is calling us to do, to be the people that you have named us to be and not what society has told us to be. Help us in that, Lord God. Help us to be looking out for each other in that regard. Maybe someone's pie is so full we could step in and help them out. It's not a solo effort. It's, it's about a team. It's about a group of people who've come together in the name of your son, Jesus, to see your kingdom grow and to see each other grow stronger in you. It's about fulfilling our love for you and our love for each other. It's about fulfilling a commission that Jesus has laid out above us and said, hey, go out. And it's about seeing us grow strong in you. Help us, O oh Lord. For those who are, must probably got that on their minds right now, what, what's God calling you to do? Those who are questioning, I pray you speak to their hearts this morning, Lord. Speak to their hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.